Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, asher bakarbanu mikol amim, venatan lanu et torato. Baruch atah Adonai, noten haTorah. Amen. Amen. This is a prayer from the Ram Call for the hastening of the redemption. So, may it be your will, God, and God of our forefathers, that you will receive willingly the prayers of your nation, Yisrael, who have prayed to you in every generation and in every place in the world, and particularly in the Holy Land of Yisrael. And in the merit of this prayer, may it be your will to judge us favorably, to grant Yisrael a complete redemption in kindness and in mercy, with wonders and miracles, and subjugate the blood that is the kingdom of Edom, and the fat which is the kingdom of Yismael, and in the merit of the truly righteous that are with us today, and for the longing we have to see the complete redemption, and in the merit of your mercy and kindness. Please send us now, Eliyahu Hanavi, your servant, and reveal the Messiah, King, and crown empty and crown him over all Israel and over all the world. Please, God, do not send us away from you empty-handed. We trust in you. Please answer us without delay. We are waiting for your Yeshua. May what I say and my thoughts be your will, my rock and my redeemer. Blessed are you, Adonai our God, King of the universe who redeems Israel. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who has given us life and sustained us and allowed us to reach this occasion. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who has granted us, who has granted us of his wisdom to those who fear him. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who has granted us his honor to those who fear him. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who knows all secrets. Amen, amen. We are now approaching that time where we reach the night before Erev Pesach. And how fitting it is to say a Shekianu before we say a Shekianu. Um, we are getting ready to go through a renewal of renewals. And Bezrat Hashem, it is in, entering us into the final redemption. So... I know I've been talking a lot on Pesach and I just want to drop a few more sources before we officially get underway and also just want to speak a bracha over everyone that your Pesach will be blessed with a beautiful Seder to bring you into the Yom Tov and that you will experience the goodness and the amazingness of Hashem and his Mashiach. I pray that you will have everything go according to plan, literally according to the Seder. And I pray that you just have a beautiful time. To those of you who are leading, may Adonai anoint you with a beautiful anointing to speak words of life and words of eternal life. And that there will be beautiful tikkun for every table that hosts a Seder. And the merit of Mashiach Yeshua. Amen. So, Rebbe Griffin was talking about the four cups, and I just want to tag right in behind that 
that this took place at the burning bush, you know, because Hashem and Moshe are in, engaging in dialogue. And so uh, just looking at chapter six of Shemot, I just want to drop in on verse seven, because after we learn about all these promises that Hashem uh, brings down in these verses, the verse seven commentary from Rebbe Nachman brings down about knowing that I am God, your God, who took you out from Egyptian oppression. So it says, a person must bring the knowledge of God and his miracles on behalf of the Jewish people into his consciousness. A person must bring the knowledge of God and his miracles on behalf of the Jewish people into his consciousness. With that awareness, he can leave his personal exile. Lakute Maharon, Volume 1, 21. And so when we look at this, this is how we enter into the final redemption. We got to come into our own redemption. So leaving our personal state of mind, our personal limitation. And I pray that we all do that this year. And so with that, I want to jump right over to legends of the Yehudim about what's going on at the burning bush. So the first thing that happens, it says, when Moshe drew near Mount Horeb, which is important to know because that is Mount Sinai. So Moshe encounters Hashem at Mount Sinai first through the burning bush. Says he was aware at once that it was a holy place for he noticed that passing birds did not alight up on it. Okay, so this was not this was not just a common place. At his approach, the mountain began to move as though to go forward and meet him, and it settled back into quietude only when his foot rested upon it. The first thing Moshe noticed was the wonderful burning bush, the upper part of which was a blazing flame neither consuming the bush nor preventing it from bearing blossoms as it burnt. Okay, so you got a bush that's on fire and it's, uh, first of all, is not on fire. Like it's not burning down. And second of all, it's still bearing fruit. So just want to point that out that that's, first of all, miraculous, amazing. And it says, for the celestial fire has three peculiar qualities. It produces blossoms. It does not consume the object around which it plays. And it is black of color. Okay, so now we know why there's black fire on white fire in the Torah. Because this is a celestial fire that we are reading. So the, the letters on the parchment of the scroll of the Torah, they're considered to be black fire. And so now we have a connection here is this is the fire that was at the burning bush. Now, the fire that Moshe saw in the bush was the appearance of the angel Mikael. The fire that we see is the appearance of the angel of Hashem, by the way. So it's important to note that Mikael and Memtet are sometimes interchanged. And in one place you'll read about Mikael is offering um, 
things, off, offering Corbinot in the heavenly tabernacle. And then other times you'll see it says Memtet is offering the offerings in the tabernacle. So to what it seems as far as commentary goes, it's either Memtet or Mikael. So whether they are one or not, it's interesting to note that Mikael literally means who is like El, who is like God. And remember with Mashiach, we learned that though he was equal with God, he didn't consider equality something to be grasped. So Shaul writes that in his letter to Philippi. So continuing on, it says, so the fire that Moshe saw in the bush was the appearance of the angel Mikael, who had descended as the forerunner of the Shekinah herself to come down presently. So, first of all, uh, in the plain text of this of uh, the burning bush encounter, it says that the angel of Hashem was in the bush. So now we see the fact that Mikael is there and the Shekinah is about to show up, but Mikael is going first. That gives us a little bit more understanding that obviously Mikael and Memtet are uh, different. So, uh, but obviously they act in oneness because everything in the heavenlies is one. That's why you see that it says, and one angel will call to another and say, Kadosh, 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 Adonai Zavot. Uh, if you have partaken in the Kadusha Bracha, then you understand how the congregation recites uh, liturgy and then the Chazan will come back and recite liturgy. So that's a small picture of what's actually going on in the heavenlies. So there is this uh, unanimous agreement and, and things like that. So the Shekinah was going to come after Mikael precedes it. It says it was the wish of God to hold converse with Moshe, who, however, was not inclined to permit any interruption of the work under his charge because, you know, he was out shepherding the flock of Yitro. It says, therefore, God startled him with the wonderful phenomenon of the burning thorn bush that brought Moshe to a stop. And then God spoke with him. So first thing says there were good reasons for selecting a thorn bush as the vessel for a divine vision. It was clean, quote unquote, for the heathen could not use it to make idols. God's choosing to dwell in the stunted thorn bush conveyed the knowledge to Moshe that he suffers along with Israel. Furthermore, Moshe was taught that there is nothing in nature, not even the insignificant thorn bush that can exist without the presence of the Shekinah. Besides, the thorn bush may be taken as a symbol for Israel in several respects. As the thorn bush is the lowliest of all species of trees, so the condition of Israel in the exile is the lowliest as compared with that of all the other nations. But as the thorn bush releases no bird that alights upon it without lacerating its wings, so the nations that subjugate Israel will be punished. So there's that. Uh, that's not good. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we kind of see that in our current uh, state here with uh, looking at ourselves coming out of Mitzrayim. It was not good when we came out of Mitzrayim for Mitzrayim. 
I mean, it was nice for us, but it was not good for them. Hence why we are going to be removing drops of yain from our cup when we talk about the plagues. So, shortly after this account in the legend of the Yehudim, it goes into the ascension of Moshe. Says the the vision of the burning bush appeared to Moshe alone, and the other shepherds with him saw nothing of it. He took five steps in the direction of the bush to view it at close range, and when God beheld the countenance of Moshe, distorted by grief and anxiety over Israel's suffering, he spake, This one is worthy of the office of pasturing my people. Moshe was still a novice in prophecy, therefore God said to him, If I reveal myself to him in loud tones, I shall alarm him. But if I reveal myself to him with a subdued voice, kind of like a still small voice, he will hold prophecy in low esteem. Whereupon he addressed him in his father Amram's voice. Moshe was overjoyed to hear his father speak, for it gave him the assurance that he was still alive. The voice called his name twice, and he answered, Hineni, here am I. What is my father's wish? Hashem replied, saying, I am not your father. I but desire to refrain from terrifying you. Therefore I spoke with your father's voice. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Yitzhak, the God of Yaakov. These words rejoiced Moshe greatly for not only was his father Amram's name pronounced in the same breath with the names of the three patriarchs, but it came before theirs as though he ranked higher than they. Moshe said not a word. In silent reverence before the divine vision, he covered his face. And when God disclosed the mission with which he charged him of bringing the Israelite nation forth, from the land of Mitzrayim, he answered with humility, Who am I that I should go unto Paro and bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Thereupon God spoke, Moshe, you are meek, and I will reward you for your modesty. I will deliver the whole land of Mitzrayim into your hand, and besides, I will let you ascend unto the throne of my glory and look upon the angels of the heavens. Hereupon God commanded Memtet, the angel of the face, Sarhapanim. Which, by the way, it's important to note, Moshe's name can literally be translated as an acronym to Memtet Sarhapanim. That comes from Shnei Lukota Brit. So Hashem commanded Memtet, Sarhapanim to conduct Moshe to the celestial regions amid the sound of music and song. And he commanded him furthermore to summon 30,000 angels to serve as his bodyguard, 15,000 to the right of him and 15,000 to the left of him. In abject terror, Moshe asked Memtet, who are you? And the angel replied, Ani Enoch, the son of Jared, thy ancestor, and God has charged me to accompany you to his throne. Now, I know that kind of got kind of weird because Memtet is saying that he is Enoch. But the thing is, is there are two Memtets, and this is, 
uh, way beyond the scope of what I really wanted to get into. But just to kind of throw it out, there's a six letter name Memtet and a seven letter name Memtet. And Enoch holds the six letter, the six letter name. And the six letter name of Memtet is considered to be the lower world's Memtet, not the highest of the worlds. So we can see here that he is an escort and more like a shliach and dispatch of Hashem. So, uh, yeah. So anyway, there's a couple of things there. And this is also where it keeps going. It says that Moshe demurred saying, I am the flesh and blood and I cannot look upon the countenance of an angel. Whereupon Memtet changed Moshe's flesh into torches of fire, his eyes into Markava wheels, which is chariot wheels, his strength into an angel's and his tongue into a flame, and he took him to heaven with a retinue of 30,000 angels, one half moving to the right of them and one half to the left of them. And so he begins to ascend. And so this all happens at the burning bush. So it's important to note too that the higher Memtet is also the throne of Hashem because we learned the throne of Hashem is Mashiach and the spirit of Hashem because that hovered over the waters in Bereshit chapter one. So Memtet is going to take Moshe up to Memtet basically is what we just saw. And uh, yeah, so I mean, obviously there's way more that can be said there, but this is a really cool thing to bring up because this is how the exodus from Mitzrayim starts with the Redeemer having a transfiguration, ascending, and then returning from on high with power to bring us and deliver us out. Hashem says he gave all of the, the whole land of Mitzrayim into the hand of Moshe. So how much more so the whole world being given into the hand of Mashiach, which he, I think well, actually, I know I was going to say, I think, but he, I know he said that in Matthew 28, all authority has been given to me in heaven. Let's see. I'm going to actually read it so I don't get all crazy and, and misquote something. So, you know, we go to. Um, let's see here. We go to Matthew 28. And this is what the. Straight up text says, it says all authority, this is verse 18, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make Talmudim of all the Goyim, make for them or tovel them in the name of the Father, the name of the Son and the Ruach HaKodesh, which by the way, those are the three names of the mikvah. There is above the middle and below. Those are three names of Hashem. And it says, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And then he ascends. Okay, so there's that. And this is what's happening with Moshe. And so the cool thing is, it's time for us to really move into Geula mode, you know, and, and take these things, you know, not lightly and really uh, just experience Hashem and focus upon him as we are partaking of the Seder. So now I want to jump into Parsha Pinkus, uh, Zohar, 
113,766. Uh, that's quite a bit ways up there. But uh, yeah, anyway, uh, in that section of Zohar, it says this. We learn that the Torah depends on the river issuing forth from Eden. So now I'm transitioning into teaching about the first fruits because immediately after we partake of the Seder, go through Shabbat and enter into Havdalah, some of us will have a second Seder at this point, and some of us will go ahead and count the Omer. Either way, we're counting the Omer and that begins the festival of first fruits. So Mashiach was crucified on the 14th of Nisan before sundown. So that's day one, because in, in Judaism, you know, any part of the day is considered the day, like a full day. So right now, if we are talking about what day it is, you know, whatever point of time you're in, if it's before sundown, this is considered a full day. So when sundown happens and now you're going into the next day, then that's the second day. Okay, so Mashiach 14th of Nisan, 15th of Nisan, 16th of Nisan starts with Havdalah. And that is the resurrection time. And that's also the first fruits time. So about the first fruits, we're going to read that if the first fruit offering is not offered, then there can be no meal offering for the whole land for any of the Corbinote that need to happen at the uh, the Mikdash or the Mishkan, depending on the time frame we're looking at, because the Mishkan was first and then we had the Mikdash. So this is the food supply. So if we don't have a first fruit, you don't have any food. So if Mashiach didn't resurrect, then there is nothing for us to have hope in. So that's already kind of taken care of there. So this begins literally the third festival, if you will, of the Pesach. So we have Erev Pesach, which is begins with the Seder. And then we enter into actually the day of Pesach. So that's considered Pesach. And then you have the festival of first fruits. And then the rest of the week is the festival of unleavened bread. And then the seventh day of Pesach which for us actually begins Thursday night at sundown. Literally, when they start showing the Avengers Endgame movie, which I thought was really interesting since we're Avengers and we're trying to bring the Endgame, which is the final Geula. But anyway, I digress. So that Thursday night begins Akaron Shel Pesach, the last day of Pesach, the seventh day of Pesach. And then right after that, it just so happens that Friday night at sundown is Erev Shabbat of a normal Shabbat. And so now we'll be back in the swing of the Torah portions. So I think we should be starting Akare Mot. And if not, we will start it the following week. We will see how that all happens. And Bezrat Hashem from Yerushalayim. So anyway, bringing this all up because this is how I want to introduce the first fruits. It says in this passage of Zohar. Remember, it's big numbers. Zohar 113, 766, section 766 of 113. That just seems like really overdoing it, but okay. It's talking about Shabbat and Parsha Pincus, it says also on the day of the first fruits, when you bring a new meal offering to Adonai, Bamidbar 28, 26. So, by the way, uh, in that Bami Bar 28 chapter, 
what's actually going on. This is the Moftir portion for the Pesach readings. So this is the offerings that we bring during the seven days of Pesach and things like that. And then right after that, it goes into Slika, the 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 offering that you bring on the festival of first fruits. So and remember, first fruits included within the seven days of Pesach. So don't let that trip you up. OK, so now it says Rabbi Abba said it is written the day of first fruits. But what does this what does day refer to? So we know about the first fruits. What about the day? So what's of the first fruits? So he answers that this. So the day says is a river issuing forth from Eden, namely Zerah and Pin, which is the day of those upper first fruits. So now we're going to bring down the higher worlds into the lower worlds. And this is considered Zerah and Pin, or the river issuing from Eden. And this is what's the day for the first fruits to come forward. So in other words, if there is no Zerah and Pin and no river issuing from Eden or what it's breaking down, it says the upper first fruits, the Yod and Hay, which is the Abba and Ima, Chokmah and Bina. And it says who are called first fruits. OK, so if we don't have any of that, this is what the next statement says. And up on it, the Torah depends, namely Zeron Pin. And he brings forth all the secrets of the Torah. And because he is the tree of life, the fruit of the tree has to be brought. So. Stand by for one moment. OK, sleek, I apologize. OK, so it says that the Torah depends upon Zerampin. The Torah depends upon the river that's issuing before from, from Eden. The Torah depends upon the upper first fruits. OK, so the fact that we're talking about we have to be acquainted and know Mashiach Yeshua Truly, before we start entering into Torah, before we really grasp anything of any serious depth in Torah, you got to make sure that you're receiving from above. You, you first have placed your trust in Hashem. And this is the beautiful thing about the Seder is this is entering us into that time where we receive from above and and bring it down to below, which is kind of cool because this precedes the day, literally of first fruits. So all of this is just, you know, incredible that this is bringing us down, that we got to have this in place first. And now that this is in place, now we can begin to, as it were, build a proverbial house up on the rock. So it says Torah depends upon, namely, Zerunpin, and he brings forth all the secrets of the Torah. And it's important to know Zerunpin literally means the miniature presence or the miniature Yod and Hay with the Vav and Hay, like the mini Hashem, basically. And this is pretty much Mashiach Yeshua. So, yeah, the image of Hashem who... Or the image of the invisible, as Colossians puts it. So, yeah. So the miniature presence. And it says he brings forth all the secrets of the Torah. And because he is the tree of life, Mashiach did say 
you know, I'm the vine and you're the branches. Abide in me and I'll abide in you. You'll bear fruit within me. But if you're not in me, then you will not have any fruit bearing and you'll be good for nothing but to be chopped down and thrown into the fire. I.e., just like the fire that consumes the burning bush, it also brings forth fruit. It causes that which it consumes to not only be burned up and destroyed, but it actually consumes it without destroying it. And then it also, on top of that, causes it to bear fruit. So that's uh, Yochanan chapter 15, basically, if we really look at that. Why don't we just go there real quick? Just uh, read what we're sourcing out, just because it's it's always good to do so. Alright, so we're going to hop over to Yochanan 15. Here's what it says. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit. Which, by default, would mean that it's not consumed by the fire, which are the letters of the Torah. And then it says, he takes away... And every branch that bears fruit, i.e. it's consumed by the fire, it's consumed by the Torah, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean, which again, the burning bush was called clean. So remember that. And then it says, because the word which I have spoken to you, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So, uh, yeah, so that's Yochanan chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. Okay, so back to Zohar. Says this that uh, Moshe says that Yisrael the first is the first fruits of God of all the nations in the world. He tells us that the Vav is the river that comes out of Eden. And remember the Vav is Mashiach. Uh, that was brought down by Chassis Baz in one of our Haftarot portions. And then it says... Uh, Moshe talks about the six sephirot that are contained in the primordial years of creation of the world because the six sephirot preceded the world and all the creatures. They are called firstfruits. Man is called firstborn son after the name of the sign of the covenant, which is the Yud. And then it's lastly, the faithful shepherd tells us i.e. Moshe is called the faithful shepherd, by the way, which is interesting because that's what Mashiach is called. But Mashiach is actually the great shepherd. So there's that it says, lastly, the faithful shepherd tells us that the Torah is called glory and anyone who studies Torah is called a king. So that's that. OK, uh, so kings and priests. OK. Now, want to take us over to uh, this section of Bamibar that we uh, do for the Maftir in chapter 28. And before really getting everywhere, um, as far as this, uh, this whole section, so the Maftir, let me just go over here real quick. 
the Moftir specifically is a Bami Bar 28, 19 through 25. So you'll notice that that is basically appended to our uh, readings. So first thing I want to say is this. Uh, I'm going to go to verse 16, even though it's not a part of the Moftir. But I just want to circle around Pesach, first fruits, and uh, the whole festival itself. It says this. It says, on the 14th day of the first month will be a Pesach sacrifice to Adonai. So the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, Mashiach being our Pesach Lamb, okay, it's not technically a sin offering, but it is because it's a Pesach offering. So let's learn about the Pesach offering. It says the festival sacrifices, this is Rebbe Nachman, of course, divine favor is revealed on the festivals since they commemorate the miracles God did for the Jewish people when they left Mitzrayim. This divine favor invokes joy, and the main joy on the festival is invoked by the Korbanot, which connote charity. Thus, charity invokes divine favor. Lekute Halakot, Volume 7, page 119a. So, I bring that up because Mashiach's offering causes divine favor to be extended upon us. And Pesach literally means to leap over or to pass over or to hop over. And what ends up happening as well is this hopping is also a state of joy, kind of like a person who hops up and down because they're so excited. That's actually how the Midrash says breaks down Hashem going from house to house, finding blood on the doorpost. He's hopping. He's just like, I'm joyously doing this because... I'm bringing justice to my people and those who are mine, you know, he actually, uh, it's literally codified in the Midrash says that Hashem kissed the, the Yehudim or those who put the blood on the doorposts, which some of that, some of the people who put blood on the doorposts were fresh Yehudim, new converts that literally got circumcised that night and partook of the lamb. And so, you know, that's cool. So Hashem was like really excited about that too. So just interesting about the divine favor and uh, the Corbinote itself is the main joy. So the main joy on the on the festivals is invoked by the Corbinote. So, by the way, today uh, prayer replaces the Corbinote until we get the temple back, maybe soon in our time. I'm main. And also, if we are going to give Zadaka, that's another way to offer a Corbin. So uh, when we as Sar Shalom used to do um, Pesach Seders, literally um, as a group, we did, we had uh, the the envelopes that we would pass out to give people that opportunity to give first fruit. So I encourage you to give an extra offering, you know, as we enter into Pesach as well. It's a beautiful thing. Now, going back to the festival of first fruits, if you look at the same chapter of Bamibar, chapter 28, and go into 26, this is what it says. On the day of the first fruits, when you bring a new grain offering to God on your Shabbat festival. Okay, on the day of the first fruits, when you bring a new grain offering 
to God on your Shabbat festival. It will be a holy festival for you. You must not do any mundane work. So now we're getting in the Shabbat. So this is cool because the first fruits is directly connected to Shabbat. It literally is the linking point between Pesach and Shabbat. Because when you start the first fruits, you're also giving the Omer. So it's this whole thing called Bikarim. And the Omer is barley. It's like animal fodder, right? And so over the seven-week process, it matures and grows into full-blown wheat, like leavened loaf of bread. And that's the only leavened offering that we're allowed to bring into the temple or into the Mishkan or into the temple. And so you have the beginning of your Shavuot offering that you bring. So you have to bring your source first and then you bring the produce of the source later. So you bring in your Omer and later it becomes literally first fruit, two loaves of bread that you offer on Shavuot. And it's important to know, again, if you don't bring this first fruit, then you can't bring your Shavuot. You actually don't even have food for the year if this doesn't happen. So I was looking at an article on Kabad about this word called Yashan. So this is a little side note about the first fruit. Yashan is literally called old, which means anything that was produced before the 17th of Nisan. So you know how you got your 16th of Nisan as first fruits, right? So if you are partaking of anything that was grown before that time, that's called Yashan. And that's literally last year's harvest, so to speak, as far as the grain and bread offerings go. But anything after the 17th of Nisan is the current year's grain, which you can only have if you bring the Festival of First Fruits. So this is just really me highlighting that the Festival of First Fruits is vital. It's very important. Like Mashiach being resurrected is super important. And so that's what we are commemorating when we began to count the Omer, when we understand what the 16th of Nisan truly is. And the 16th of Nisan is not to be confused with Resurrection Sunday, because the thing is, is the the pagan Bugs Bunny holiday who stole some chicken eggs that's about to happen this Yom Rishon is overlapping the 16th of Nisan. And it's like we're celebrating the true resurrection, which is the festival Chag HaBikarim, the festival of first fruits. And yet there are people over here saying, no, this is the resurrection Sunday and it's called Shmeister. And we've already done our egg hunt and we are just ready to do our sunrise service kind of thing. And it's just kind of like, okay, so that's highly misplaced, but I digress. So anyway, we have to understand that you, we're not missing out on anything if we're celebrating Pesach because the resurrection is a part of Pesach. And furthermore, this is a crucial point in Pesach. So we're going right out of a Seder into the next crucial point, which is the Bikurim, which is the first fruit. And then the Omer heading up for the next seven weeks into Shavuot. Super important. Okay. So anyway, so Rebbe Nachman on 2826 of Bar says, first fruits is associated with the authority of the Sephira of Malkut, which is referred to as Bekor, which is firstborn. 
when a person uses his authority solely for the sake of God, he attains a spiritual level commensurate with the new grain offering brought on Shavuot. The new grain offering corresponds to the new Torah, which is the revelation of Torah on an exalted spiritual level, which emanates from God in his aspect of the hidden ancient Holy One. See Vayikarubah 13.3 and Zohar volume 3, 152a. And then it says, your Shavuot festival, this refers to the revelation of Torah and godliness associated with this holiday, a holy festival. This time is filled with a spirit of holiness. You must not do any mundane work is when a person attains a higher perception, which is called Da'at. He transcends the curse brought about by the Nakash, the serpent, by the sweat of your brow you will eat, which is Bereshit 319. Instead, he attains divine providence and earns a livelihood with ease. Lakute Maharon, Volume 1, 56, 12. So, again, this is all about new renewal. And it's, it's no uh, coincidence that Ha'akabikarim going into the seven weeks of counting the Omer, culminating in Shavuot, which is also called Ha'akabikarim, and um, that is like the culmination of the the first fruit maturing into full loaf of bread, like going from animal food to people food kind of thing. We can eat barley, it's no problem, but I mean, obviously some of us really enjoy some challah, so there's that. But uh, it's no wonder that Acts chapter 2 it shows us the out uh, outplay of the exalted high level of Torah that we can receive if we go through the Pesach, if we go through the Chag HaBikurim uh, as far as the 16th of Nisan. And then, or I should say, that's the day of the first fruits. So Yom HaBikurim, day of first fruits. And then you go through counting the Omer. And then you go to Chag HaBikurim Shavuot. So... A lot of names right there. So you got Pesach, you got Yom HaBikarim, 16th of Nisan, Resurrection Day, and then you got seven weeks of counting the Omer, and then you got Shavuot HaBikarim. Okay, a lot of first fruits. You got two first fruits. One happens on the 16th of Nisan, and the completion of it happens on the 6th of Sivan, which is Shavuot. Okay, so now... Jumping over here into uh, Vayikra chapter 23 because it's super important to know about the festivals of Hashem. Because if you want to know what Hashem considers uh, worthy of Him uh, being honored and glorifying by celebrating, just read Vayikra 23. It brings about the appointed times is what they're called. The festivals are all called appointed times. So they're literally called Moadim. Okay. It's important to note uh, 23 verse 4 from uh, Rebbe Nachman. He says the initial letters. Okay, let me read the verse first. All right. So the first verse or the verse 23 verse 4. Chapter 23 verse 4. These are the appointed times of God 
which you should proclaim as holy festivals at their appropriate times. These are the appointed times of God. The initial letters of these words, Ele Moade Hashem. That is Aleph, Mem, Yod. They spell Emi, Aleph, Mem, Yod, Emi, which is my mother. This is a reference to the Sefer of Bina, which corresponds to the heart. Thus, this verse implies that the heart of the year is to be found in the three festivals, because the heart is the seat of joy. The festivals, too, are times of joy, and we are commanded to ascend to Yerushalayim for the festivals to appear before God, Shemot 23, 17. Through the joy that a person attains on the festivals, he can ascend spiritually to draw vitality directly from Arik Anpin, which is God's face. Lakute Maharon, Volume 1, 30, section, or verse 5, or section 5. So, if we really want to get into a position of seeking the face of Hashem, we need to be really pressing in on the pilgrimage festivals. And it's interesting to note that we're supposed to ascend to Yerushalayim. And here we are praying to be, for the final Geula, which will cause us to have to ascend to Yerushalayim. So may it be so. And we got three particular festivals in which we need to do that, namely Pesach, Shavuot, and Sukkot. So may we be able to experience those this year in Yerushalayim. Amen. Okay, so now this Omer, okay, because the Omer begins with the 16th of Nisan, as I've mentioned. A little commentary on this, it says, you bring an Omer of your first harvest to the Kohen. And this is Vayikra 23.10. It says in the commentary, the counting of the Omer marks the beginning of our ability to draw close to God and receive the Torah. The Omer offering, which is barley, is animal food. As we acknowledge that our animalistic behavior possessed us until now, and that from now on, we accept our human responsibilities. We are forbidden to eat from the new harvest until we bring the Omer offering, which again is the first fruit Okay, the first of the first fruit, I should say. That's a better term. I like that term. First of the first fruit. Because we got a first fruit coming at Shavuot. But it's going to be a full dough of bread with some leaven in it. It's going to be good. But for now, barley and no hummets. Okay. So then it says, Only after we acknowledge our strengths and failings through the bringing of this offering can we merit to eat the fruits of our labors. In the time of Yehoshua, which can be called Yeshua, by the way, says when the Yehudim entered the Holy Land, the manna descended until the 16th day of Nisan, the day of the Omer offering was brought. This offering elevated the Yehudim to a high level when they began to serve God anew. They sanctified their eating to the degree that their mundane eating was considered as lofty as the eating of manna because they brought this offering. Lakute Halakot, 
volume 5, page 294 through 148A. So, with that being said, what we are entering into and what we, Bezrat Hashem, will be partaking of is literal transformation, bringing us victory over the things that we've struggled with, you know, before the beginning of the months, all the way since we began our new year back in Tishrei, and since we've gone through Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, we've gone through Hanukkah, the tenth of Tevet. You know, we've gone through the twenty, the uh, festival of the trees, the New Year for the trees, and uh, Tuba Shavat. And then we've gone through Purim, and now we're here, ready to enter into Pesach. And it's just like, hit the up ramp and take it to the next level. You know, take it to the highest level possible. And so here's what we have the ability to do. So we have to really get it in our hearts, get it in our mind, get it in our mouths that the miracles of Hashem are so real and we have to deepen our knowledge and our understanding of Hashem. And I pray that we do so with the beginning of what we partake of from the Seder table. So I pray you have a blessed time. I pray that you will all focus and press in. May we all do so. And may we all yearn to be with Mashiach Yeshua. May we yearn to drink that cup with Eliyahu so that we can enter into the kingdom. Finally. I mean, we don't drink it before we enter into the kingdom. But when we enter into the kingdom, we drink that cup. So lead a cup on the table till Eliyahu drinks it. And then we'll go from there. So, Bezrat Hashem. Uh... Everyone will have a blessed Pesach, and I pray that, I mean, seriously, man, just Baruch Hashem Adonai. And may Hashem bring Refuah Shlema to all those in our global Mishpacha who are sick, who are in need of healing. And I pray that Hashem will prepare us and make us ready and make us worthy of the days of Mashiach and the rebuilding of the Beit HaMikdash speedily in our days. Amen ve'amen. What do we know? What do we know? Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, asher natan lanu Torah temet, vekaye olam natabetokeinu. Baruch atah Adonai, noten ha Torah. Amen.